Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on that thing that we call the Internet. Good morning. (laughs) And around the state of Alaska on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. It is the Michael Duke Show, and uh, it's, uh, it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday, and yes, it's raining. I mean, of course it is. Of course, of course it is. I mean, we saw that thing on the weekend. It was the sun. I thought it was a UFO, but it was, nope, it was just the sun. Just the sun. Uh, Good morning and welcome to the program. Uh, We are ready to dive into it and uh, get, get with it. Today is Tuesday, which means we've got two great guests lined up for us right now. Uh, as always, uh, our weekly guest, uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, will be joining us uh, in just a few moments for what we lovingly call the weekly top three, which are his top three stories or issues or D or, you know, whatever the stuff that he makes it uh, he, he, he deems to be important. And uh, we'll be talking about that. And then uh, <clears throat> on uh, in hour two, it will be Chris Story who will come in and give us that motivational uplift that we always need. The life coaching lesson, the dose of positivity, the self-help. He is the guru. He is the Tony Robbins of Alaska. Um, um, he's like t- Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and Ogmandino all wrapped up into one. It's uh, It's good stuff. So Chris Story will be joining us in hour two today for the uh for the the life coaching lesson the uplift the good the good the good stuff today he says we're going to be talking about he just sent me a text message today he said we're going to be talking about the art of communication so uh that's the uh that's our that's our that's our um that's our thing that's our deal. That's our dealio, Bob. People, the art of communication with uh, with uh, Chris Story in hour two. Um, well, I got to tell you, we are lined up for uh, the remainder of the month. Uh, I never expected what I was what I ended up calling the explosive response um, from all the um, from all the candidates. When I sent out that email uh, yesterday, I mean, when I sent out the email last week, rather, uh, on what is going on, it uh, we have got a uh, we've got a, a jam packed agenda. In fact, I am now booking guests out into oh, I guess is it the second week, the first week, the second week of October? That's why that's how far I'm booking guests out right now. 
uh, because we are full up. Tomorrow, Heather Herndon, Arthur Surkoff, uh, Thursday, Kathy Hensley, Louis Flora, Monday, Mike Insolaco and Sharon Jackson, uh, next Wednesday, Cliff Grow, and Jessica uh, Wright, Rosalind Casey and Stephen Wright on the next Thursday, and then all the way into the following week. It's going to be busy. It's it's going to be busy. We've got a lot of stuff going on, and I think it's good. Uh, I think yesterday's show, um, yesterday's show gave us a lot of insight into what's going on. Um, I got a comment and a message on the Common Sense Core Facebook page um, from one of the um, uh, one of the uh, uh, members there, and they. Uh, he said, let me, I just want to make sure that I quote it properly. So I'm pulling it up so that I can, uh, so that I can read it. He said, I did find myself agreeing with Les Guerra on more points and policy issues than I would have expected, which again, I think it's surprising. We can always find things that we agree with, even with those people who we would consider philosophically to be on the other side of the fence. He said, I did find myself agreeing on more points and policy issues than I would have expected right up to the point where he changed his story. He's in favor of a full PFD, but apparently fails to understand the D part, the dividend part of a PFD. He seems to think the stock market is hinky or some sort of con game, uh, yet the PF permanent fund is at $80 billion because of the investment in the stock market. He seems to be advocating more for a UBI than a dividend. And, and this is, <clears throat> I agree. He was talking yesterday about wanting a dividend that doesn't go up and doesn't go down. He wanted to decouple it from the uh, from the statutory formula uh, because he thinks people wanted more um, certainty that you you know you didn't want an eight hundred dollar dividend, but see on the bottom side on the bad years, yeah, you get an eight hundred dollar dividend or a six hundred dollar dividend or a thousand dollar dividend, but on the good years, you get a forty two hundred dollar dividend. That's the, that's the benefit of that model. That's the benefit of the statutory formula is that it conforms to the whims and the vagaries of the market. That's the beauty of it. And, uh, and I agree with what Brian said is that, uh, that, you know, he seems to be advocating for more of a UBI universal basic income. So anyway, we may not agree with, um, we may not agree with uh, with all the candidates that came on, we're talking about Les Guerra from yesterday, and uh, and uh, but at the same time, I think it's good to get, um, I think it's good to get uh, you know the alternate viewpoints to get and see what they're thinking to understand where they're coming from. So it's uh, it's good stuff. It is uh, it's good stuff. Um, we may be hearing this morning <clears throat> from. Um, Jim Minnery, who is part of the Constitution Yes Committee, or excuse me, con, uh, the Convention Yes Committee, rather, um, they are holding a whole bunch of statewide rallies today. There's a bunch of statewide rallies today to vote yes on one. The Convention Yes people, they're holding one in Anchorage, in Fairbanks, in Kenai, and here in Wasilla. And uh, it's all going to be happening at 6 p.m. tonight, and so um, we'll see if we can uh, we'll see if we can get Jim on here at the beginning of the next hour. Waiting on confirmation from him. I told him I could give him a few minutes there, uh, but we're other than that, we're we're pretty slammed out here. This this whole thing, like I said, booking out until October at this point. 
All right. Well, let's see. What do I want to talk about this morning? I guess I want to talk about the professional hand-wringing that's going on at the Matsu Borough School District. Um, The Matsu Borough School Board is now considering whether to require a moment of silence at the beginning of the school day. Now, Supporters say it's an opportunity for quiet reflection before diving into the day's activities. But others are saying it's a a burden to teachers and also that it takes away from moments of silence for people who died and other things, which, I mean, okay. Uh, Under the draft policy titled School Moment of Silence slash Personal Meditation, Principals would require first period or homeroom teachers across grade levels to take one to two minutes daily for a moment of silence. The uh, proposed policy's preamble, according to the article in the ADN, is that the school board finds that in the hectic society of today, too few persons are able to experience even a moment of quiet reflection before plunging headlong into the activities of daily life. Young persons are particularly affected by the absence of an opportunity for a moment of quiet reflection. The policy states that teachers may not make suggestions as to the nature of any reflection that the student may engage in during that moment of silence. Under the policies, teachers would be asked to encourage parents to talk to students about how to use that moment. It was introduced at a school board meeting back in August. Uh, The school board president is the one that uh, put it in there. School board members uh, Thomas Berge cited social media chatter that the move was a religiously focused endeavor, but he characterized it as an actual classroom management tool. There was a lot of support for it. But a former longtime school board member, Sarah Welton, who's a licensed professional counselor and a pastor at the American Baptist Church in Palmer, said the policy is, quote, a stepping stone to adding something that might turn into something like prayer. Okay, my God, we can't have that. The policy is unnecessary, she said. It adds a burden to teachers and, get this, this is my favorite part, and takes away from the power of silent moments usually reserved for tragedy or death. We just can't possibly have a moment of silence that doesn't correspond with tragedy and death. What? I mean, it takes away from the power of those silent mo- <clears throat> If you've heard Chris and I talk about anything on all these Tuesdays where Chris and I have been talking about making life better and life coaching, you understand that there's power in that moment of silence and self-reflection. You can pray. You can meditate. You can think natural thoughts. You can think, I mean, you, you can self-reflect. In no way does a moment of silence where you are in self-reflection take away from the power of moments reserved for tragedy or death. That is quite possibly the dumbest statement I've ever heard. Well, you can't have a moment of silence because that takes away the power from the moments of silence that we hang our heads for people who died. What? I mean, everybody's got their panties in the wad. Well, maybe not. I mean, you read this whole article, 
and it sounds a lot like, um, you know, it sounds a lot like that there is a large amount of support for this. Um, I mean, it, that that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. They only cite two people who have any kind of problem with it. The other one that has a problem with it is a school board member, Dwight Probosco, who said that uh, he said, uh, you know, he was asked after it was introduced whether they intended to really start the, uh, some kind of daily prayer. And then he also noted that the moment only affects students who attend school in person and not the 13 percent of students who are homeschooled but would be, and would be exempt from the policy. He called it an equity issue. It's not fair. They're at home and they're not. <clears throat> Dumb. This whole thing is stupid. I know that's not a great argument on my part, but I just I can't even articulate how dumb this whole thing is. Again, reason number 216 why you should homeschool your kids so they can have a moment of silence alone by themselves without making it hard on anybody else who wanted to have a moment of silence for a piece of tragedy or, you know, for equity. That's what they need for equity. This even in the reddest district in the state we're facing these kind of issues and it just <clears throat> pull your kids out folks take take it take it under your own just take your take your put your hands on the on the wheel grab those reins and educate your own kids all right we got more coming up the michael duke show common sense radio It's the Michael Dukes Show. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I mean, is it me or is it the dumbest thing in the world? Well, you can't have a moment of silence. That would depreciate the value of the moment of silence for people who died. Um, what? Uh, I mean, I just, I don't even know what to say at this point. Oh, all right. Now that you're becoming a famous radio program, will you remember the little people? Why am I a famous radio program? This is a low budget, low buck radio program, folks. I mean, it always has been. I mean... It is what it is. I don't know what what you're talking about. Um, well, blah, 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 blah. Scrolling through some of this stuff. Well, that's just stupid. Yeah, that's my quote of the day, Robbie. Well, that's just stupid. I mean, I couldn't even articulate an argument as to why. It's just, it's just so blatantly stupid. I don't even know what to say. Um, all right. Um, so Brad, Brad is over here trying not to laugh himself silly uh, uh, on what's going on. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? I was just chuckling at the transition from that's just stupid into into showing my picture up on yeah. the screen. Sorry, that was not a, it was not an intentional slight on, uh, on Brad Keithley. So it's it's all good. Um, how are you doing this morning, Brad? I am doing great, Michael. How about you? You know, I cannot, uh, I cannot complain. It's uh, well, I could complain, but I'm not going to. It's, uh, you you know, did complain. You started out by complaining about the about the rain. I did complain about the rain. At least it's not snowing. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> At least it's not snowing. Uh, that there is. There you go. I'm looking for the I'm looking for the positivity there, and I'm I'm trying Chris, to see if Chris, I can. 
Chris is having his impact on you. I yeah, can that's see it a, now. That's what I'm trying to do. Making sure that Chris is uh, Chris has a lot to work with. Chris has got some heavy lifting going on an hour or two today. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> Between that and the stupidity of the school district, I don't know what else to say. Um, are you um, Are you ready to uh, You ready to to jump in this and uh, and do it? I am, but but it sounds like all I have to do now is to tune into your program through October. I mean, that's. That's that's great that that the guests have have responded. I my my jaw dropped when I saw that you were having Les Guerra on. I, not so much that you invited Les, but that Les agreed to come on. I know well, it's pretty amazing. Cliff Grow is going to be on. Um, we had uh, we had Andrew Gray on yesterday. I'm expecting Scott Kawasaki. I mean, I sent out 126 emails, but even I was a little surprised at the amount of immediate response. I mean, it took me a couple days to peel through all the emails and try and schedule everything. Um, so, and it's still going on. Uh, I'll still be reaching out to some of those people and getting some of those, uh, you know, getting more of some of that. So it's going to be, it, it's going to be fun. So that's great to hear. It's great to hear. I've, I'm, I mean, it means candidates are trying to talk across the spectrum, which is, a, yeah, well, which is a good thing. I mean, it's not like Les Garrett came on this program expecting to have a receptive audience. You know what I mean? He knew what he was getting into when he, uh, when he climbed on board. So bully for him, bully for him. And, and I read, I read Brian's response too. I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. I mean, there, there are some similarities. There are similarities between what Les talks about and yeah. what we talk about on the program. Well, and I was encouraged that Andrew Gray um, was willing to change his position or have an evolving position on the PFD. I mean, he initially came in being against it, and now he's starting to see from his constituency that it's an important part. Now, he hasn't come all the way over to our side, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't possibly happen, you know? So it'll be interesting. Like I said, you can always find something in common with people if you just look hard enough that's that's what it all comes down to all right um um all right i'm just i'm just making sure everything else is good all right brad well we're going to jump back into it here so you uh you hold the line there you just hold the line my friend don't go anywhere yeah that's right he's both hands he's two-fisting it right now holding on desperately um, all right, folks, if you would like and share this uh, show and like and follow the show page and hit subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and do all the stuff out there, I would appreciate it. I would appreciate it this morning. We're ready to uh, we're ready to go. Ow, dang. Got to turn that down every morning and I always forget the first time. So we'll turn the uh, we'll turn the dinger down and we'll get back to it. The Michael Duke show common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. Yeah. All right, kicking things off this morning uh, for Tuesday, the weekly top three. We're joined by none other than Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes on board with us this morning to discuss and share and talk and educate and irritate some people. But, you know, that's uh, he's OK with that. He's OK with that. I'm OK with that. Like I said, we can't always agree in kumbaya together. Otherwise, it would be an echo chamber, and then what are we going to do? Uh, good morning, Brad. How are you, my friend? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? 
again, another day in paradise. What more could I ask for? I mean, I'm going to complain about it, but it's still it's still paradise compared to many other places around the around the world. So, I'm have good. have you got your boat handy just in case? I know. I look, a canoe. I mean, egg. Sh- I'm doing something. You know, remember that show where they had the big orange life raft that was all covered? Uh, the captain, whatever it was. That's what I'm looking for. One of those survival boats because that's what it's going to be around here pretty soon. Um, uh, anyway, um, Brad, we've got uh, some big topics this morning and uh i know you uh, i know you want to get down into it so uh i say we uh, i say we just kick things off with number one and start looking at uh you know start looking at what's going on the differences between the d's and the r's are there differences really sometimes sometimes there are sometimes they're not but uh give me give me your give me what you're thinking here well there's an article in the anchorage daily news about the uh senate race in west anchorage um, between Matt Clayman, Democrat representative, and current incumbent uh, Mia Costello. And it talks about uh, the differences between the two and, and talks about how that race, because of the closely divided nature of the Senate, how that race could decide whether or not the Senate becomes a coalition-governed uh, uh, body or a, or a Republican-governed body. To me, as I read through that article, to me, that uh, the article sort of encapsulates the worst of uh, Alaska fiscal policy on both sides. Uh, Clayman talks about the need for additional spending, the need to support K through 12, additional support for K through 12, the need for additional support for the university, additional construction budget, uh, additional uh, uh, spending to support uh, teachers in the form of defined benefit programs, just, you know, the full range of, of what the progressives slash liberals are, are talking about in this campaign. Um, and, but then it comes to the point of, well, how are you going to pay for it? And, uh, and Clayman says, well, we can't, you know, we can't afford the PFD. So we need to cut the PFD, uh, in order to pay for, uh, in order to pay for all these programs. In other words, without him saying it, take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, top 20 percenters like him, limousine liberals like him, uh, don't have to pay for all these programs they want to push. They get to, you know, they're, they're, they're telling middle and lower income Alaska families how they're going to spend their money uh, without uh, without standing in and contributing contributing to it themselves. Mia, on the other hand, I've been a fan of Mia and I've been off Mia and I just, I sort of go back and forth. Mia, on the other hand, talks about the need for the PFD. And I think that's, I think that's great. Um, but then, you, and, and sort of off this column, off, off this story, but you flip over to another page, you flip over to the opinion page of the ADN, and Bethany Markham has, a, has a, an opinion piece entitled, What Pet Projects Is Alaska Paying For? And she goes through all of the pet spending, all of the pet uh, budget projects uh, that got passed in the last budget cycle. And in one of the paragraphs, she says this, and... to the private Diamond Alumni Foundation to replace diving boards. (laughs) Who sponsored, who proposed that that uh, private payment, that payment to a private private group to to pay for uh, diving boards? Mia. Right. So you've got Mia who who talks a great game about controlling spending, who talks a great game about you know about making sure that the that the PFD is prioritized, making sure that that uh, that we don't have to invade the PFD. She's against taxes, uh, of of course, um, uh, as an alternate means of uh, paying for government. Just against all that, 
preserve the PFD. But then you just flip over to another column uh, and you find you find what what goes on with Republicans, what goes on with top twenty percent Republicans. They're they're out there giving away state funds, right? As Bethany as Bethany rightfully points out, giving away state state funds to uh, to private organizations to do to do private things. Yes, uh, it's it's great that uh, that Diamond High School have diving boards. I, I I can't argue against that at all. But that's what the Diamond Alumni Foundation is set up to raise funds for. And here now they've got uh, by by going to Mia to get to sponsor this on uh, on the Senate floor. Um, uh, it was a Senate floor amendment. It wasn't it wasn't in the governor's budget. It wasn't in the it wasn't in the uh, Senate uh, Finance Committee budget. It was a floor amendment. Here you've got Mia sponsoring you know roughly six hundred thousand dollars to go to a to go to a private foundation. So. You know, I, I look at the West Anchorage Senate Senate race. Oh, and, and by the way, that amendment couldn't have been adopted without the support of the Senate Republicans, the other right, Senate right. Republicans. So you 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 look at the West Anchorage race and you go, yeah, yeah, you know, it's limousine liberal against conservative R. Well, she's not a conservative R. She is she's she's this this abomination that we've got in Alaska of R's who talk a good game. But then doesn't follow through. They, they they talk about being you know fiscally conservative. They talk about pr- prioritizing the PFD. They talk about uh, uh, no tax. We don't need taxes to fund government. We, government has enough revenues on its own. And then they go and do something like this. And guess where that six hundred thousand dollars came out of? It came out of the PFD, right? Because the PFD was the marginal PFD cuts were the marginal source of revenue uh, for this last budget. So. Mia, Mia Costello. I mean, I, it's it's only you know what? It's a dollar of uh, an Alaskan, a dollar of PFD. But Mia Costello took PFD money that otherwise would have gone to Alaska families. Took PFD money and converted it over and gave it to you know sponsored an amendment that directed it to a private uh, Diamond High School alumni foundation. So what do you what do you do in West Anchorage? Right. I mean, you got. You got a limousine liberal on the one on the one hand who wants to have all these government programs but doesn't want to pay for it himself. He wants to shove it down to to middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. And then you've got a top 20% Republican who, you know, talks a good game about about spending cuts and talks a good game about fiscal restraint and talks a good game about fiscal responsibility. But when push comes to shove, takes money out of the PFD to give it to a private foundation. You're saying this is like a not in my backyard situation, right? I'm all for the development, but not in my backyard. I'm all for the budget cuts, but not for my pet project. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of the direction you're going, right? It's, it's Alaska hypocrisy. I mean, and, and it's, and, and the Republicans want to say it's the Democrats who are the hypocrites. The Democrats want to say it's the Republican who, the Republicans who are hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. Right. Um, I, I mean, and and the West Alaska and the and the West Anchorage race just just you know brings that home when you look at the when you look at the two candidates. Um, I got to because we talked about this when it went down. When it came down, it, it, we talked about it, and I had a conversation with Mia Costello about this uh, via text. And um, her comment was, and I'll let you dissect this, but every Anchorage high school gets this money. Service East, West, Diamond, Chugiak, Bartlett. These are thirty-year-old buildings, and the municipality manages them, not the school district. It will be administered by the Diamond Alumni Association because Don Winchester takes no administrative money and comes in under budget. This was the only capital request that I got for for Anchorage that I got. But my question was, is this the state's responsibility? 
I mean, that's really what it comes down. It's great that you were trying to be fiscally responsible and have no fees and everything else, but is this the state's responsibility? And her answer was, I'll check with schools that were built with state funds. But she said in the past, when constituents were asked for life safety projects, I was able to get the funding for the various government entities were hesitant because it assumes liability, yada, yada. I mean, again, it's more of a kind of a tap dancing thing than anything else. I mean, sure, it's nice to have, but is it a must have? Is it the state's responsibility to dive into those things? What do you mean? The, the, the school district's going to assume liability with respect to the to these diving boards, diving Alumni Foundation is going to pay for them, evidently, but the school is going to operate them and is going to administer them. So, I, yeah, that, that's a, that's a non-answer. That's a that's a let's see. I'm caught in a trap here. How do I get out of it? What what words can I string together that look like a long sentence and right. and and get and get me off the hook? I mean, it's it, let's be let's be clear. Don Winchester. I mean, I could I could go on days about Don Winchester. Don Winchester is is almost solely responsible, along with Bill Stoltz. For the for the UAA uh, uh, arena, uh, the Seawolf Arena, right, that, right, that got built back uh, out of out of state money, no private money given to it, just all all state money. I mean, it's it's it, it is it, Alaska has this 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 concept that the state has to the state has to pay for everything. We've gotten away from it some over the last few years. I mean, we're nowhere near the level we were when Stoltz was in charge of the. Of, of the finance committees on the House side and, and, and still having influence on the Senate side. We're nowhere near that level, but we've still got this influence. And if we're truly going to be fiscal conservatives, I mean, how is Mia going to say, you know, next time, you know, somebody else wants a, wants a project in their district, how is she going to say no after they, you know, voted to, to give her the project in her district, the project that was important to her, um, six hundred thousand dollars. This, this, I'll scratch my back, you scratch. Uh, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, or whatever the the phrase is. It just goes on and on and on and on. And how do you trust somebody to be fiscally conservative when they, even now, when we, when, when we've seen the consequence of it over the past decade, when they still engage in it? So I just, I, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, you've got. Clayman, who's clearly a limousine liberal, clearly says we want a lot of government programs that, by the way, employ my friends and 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 keep uh, uh, my donors happy. Right. Uh, we want we we want we want these government programs. I don't want to pay for them, so let's take them out of the pockets of middle and like a good limousine liberal. Let's take them out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Okay, that's bad. But then you got you got you got Mia who says I'm a conservative. I'm fiscal conservative. But oh, by the way, that six hundred thousand dollars. Don't don't worry about that. That was you know that was something. That was just for my friends. Don't worry. It's not much. Just for my friends. I, we we can't we can't keep going on like this. And to have a race where that's your choice: limousine liberal or crony capitalist uh, on, on the other side is just just very frustrating so, in terms of in, so, in terms of Alaska fiscal. So policy. what you're saying is we're faced with the choice of the lesser of two evils. Right, Brad. I mean, is that? I mean, that this is this is the conundrum that we've faced for the last 45, 50, 60, 80 years in this country. Here's the lesser of two evils. Which brand of poison would you prefer to take? I mean, that's part of the problem. And I think, again, with the best of intentions, I think Mia has the best of intentions. But that's what happens. People go down to Juno. They're going to crusade. They're going to fix everything. They're going to do everything. And then they get down there and they get subsumed by the machine. 
And then they're like, well, but I've got to fix this. I've got to, I'm, I'm going to cut, but not this one thing because my constituents need me. Yeah, it's, it's, it ends up in the same place, Michael. I mean, the lesser of two evils. Maybe it's lesser. Maybe you look at the ultimate dollar amount and, and think that that's in how you, how you figure out lesser. But look, they're both cutting the PFD. Clayman says we need to cut the PFD to do a bunch of programs for my friends and, and government employees, and, and, uh, but I don't want to pay for it. Mia says, oh, you know, I'm against, I'm against spending, except for this case, when it comes out of the PFD. So it's, I, they're ending up in the same place. They right. are two paths, two different paths to the same endpoint which is the PFD gets cut. Well, I mean, but there are shades of differences, right? I mean, I agree with you, but at the same time, there are shades of differences, right? I mean, $600,000 versus how many millions and billions of dollars for defined benefits and all these other kind of things. Granted, it's all cuts, it's all cuts to the PFD, but there are shades of differences. So if I had to choose, you know, what are, you know, there's still I think a clear choice in that race. Well, it, it's it's based on dollar amount, and you go back to the. I mean, if we get back into this 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 crony capitalism, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours uh, uh, approach. I mean, we saw that's what happened to us in the early twenty teens. I mean, Bill Stoltz led led the charge. We've got we've got you know Matsu College or whatever the heck we call it out there, astroturf uh, fields and Uktavik and every place else in the world, right? I mean, you it, know. It's exactly right, Michael. I mean, we've 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 seen the consequences of of this just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I mean, Bethany's Bethany's article goes through goes through uh, uh, 2.5 million for facilities to the private Alaska Sea Life Center, 7.3 million to the private Aleutic Museum and Archaeological Repository, 6.3 million for creation of a new private Chugach Regional Archaeological Museum, 87,000 to replace a scoreboard for the private Seawolf Hockey Alliance, and 588,000 to the private Diamond Alumni Foundation to replace. It goes on and on and on. Right. And, and, and it's not just, I mean, so Mia gets her $600,000, but to get her $600,000, she voted for the 2.5 for the Alaska Sea Life Center, the 7.3 to the Aleutic Museum. It just goes on and on and on. And yes, maybe as a matter of degree, maybe at the end of the day, her votes total up to less take from the PFD than Matt's votes. But it's it's the same concept. And, and in the early 20 teens, those votes for those little projects, those little projects, totaled a lot more than what we were than what we were taking away for government programs. Brad Keithley's our guest, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. He's not fired up about this at all. All right. So we're gonna be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Number two is dead ahead of the weekly top three. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Um, oh, Brad. Um, picking on Mia is not entirely fair. The state <laughs> kept the PFD money. Could you not argue she is trying to get her district's share, says Chris from Twitch this morning? Brad? She, she's... She's trying to get her district's share yeah. of the PFD, PFD money. Well, yes. to get that, she's taking money out of 
the middle and lower income Alaska families in the Matsu, in Fairbanks, in Uktavik, in Western Alaska, on the Kenai Peninsula, in Southeast Alaska. She's taking, she's taking money from, uh, when you take PFD cuts, you're taking money from everybody else. So I, I don't know. So, so we got a little greed and corruption going on. So it's okay because, it, because we got a lot, we, there's a lot of other greed and corruption going on. I don't, I don't get it, Michael. I mean, I don't, I, we, having lived through the early 20 teens, having lived through Bill Stoltz, having lived through all those damn projects, particularly including the UA, the University of Alaska Anchorage. AT&T Arena. Center, the AT&T Center or the Alaska Airlines Center or whatever it's called. Yeah, Alaska Airlines Center. We paid a piddling amount for operational. It they paid it. They, they to get those naming rights. What they did was give away a bunch of free seats. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> a, bunch, a bunch of discounted seats. They didn't give any money. I mean, God, people in this state don't give money. Right. We just go ask the government for money. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm not. What I'm really picking on. I'm not. You're right. I'm not just picking on me. <laughs> I'm picking on the Republicans who voted in the Senate to support that amendment. So that she would support their amendments. It's just, it it is, it is, it's the type of thing that gets out of control. It's the type of thing that that blurs the lines and says, okay, you can't you can't just blame the Democrats without also blaming the Republicans because they're both taking money out of the state. They're both taking money out of the PFD for their for their own their own you know personal. Uh, objectives. They're both telling mom and pop out in the Matsu Valley or down on the Kenai Peninsula or down in the Southeast. They're both saying, you know, that 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 PFD money. Well, we know better how to spend it than you do. We're not going to give it to <laughs> you. We're going to we're going to spend it in a way that's really important. right. That'll benefit uh, the community. Right. I mean, that's the thing. We're going to benefit. We're going to take your money and we're going to spend it so that the community benefits. You'll feel and Matt Clayman, you'll feel and Matt good Clayman spends it on things that we that that, you know, people on the program don't like. Well, Mia Costello spends them on things that, that people on this program shouldn't it's, like. This is a repeat of the 2018 when a lot of the cuts were there and everything else. And, and people say, and, and except it was, Oh, well don't, don't cut the division of ag. Don't, don't cut this department. Don't cut that program. Those are, that's my special program. I'm all for you, except for this special program. And, and I think that's part of the problem. I mean, again, exactly. Exactly right, Michael. And that's what gets me back to, I know people on this program hate me to talk, hate me talking about, but that's what gets me back to taxes. We're not going to cut our way out of this. Let, let's, let's face up to reality. We're not going to cut our way out of this. So what we ought to be looking at is the fairest way of how to pay for uh, uh, the reality that we're in. If Mia wants, if Mia wants Diamond High School diving boards, then let's make sure that all Alaska families contribute equitably to them instead of taking it out of middle and lower income Alaska families. If Matt Clayman wants defined benefits for, for you know, teachers or he wants you know, more spending for this or that, let's make sure that all Alaska families pay equitably for it as opposed to taking it out of PFDs. Yeah, uh, I think Chris then uh, sums his, his argument up perfectly when he said Democrats are just being Democrats. Republicans should know better. I mean, and, and that's right. I mean, it's it's the truth, right? I mean, this is the party supposedly of smaller government, of less spending, of all these other things. And yet, as we talked with Rob uh, Myers about last week or whatever it was, 10 days ago, that's the problem in this state is that we are a state that was essentially a blue state that slowly bled to red, but not all the way, right? We were red in many ways, but in other ways, we're like, oh, the government teat, that looks 
that looks tasty. We should get on that right now. I mean, that's what it's all about. It is. And, and, and for, and, and it is, it is, it's just frustratingly hypocritical for Republicans to say PFDs, no taxes, but spend on my, on my high school's diving boards uh, or no, no taxes, PFDs, no taxes, but spend on the Aludic Museum, which I think is down in, uh, down in uh, Kodiak. I mean, it's, it's just frustratingly, frustratingly uh, hypocritical well, to, for, for, for the Republicans to continue to go down that road and then turn around um, and say, oh, but but not not for this program, right. not for this, not well, for this expense. Millions of dollars. You just listed off millions of dollars that are going down there, and you're just like, oh, wait a second. Uh, now the Republican women of Fairbanks say, dude, Mia is nice, claiming not so much. Okay, look, if I was in that race right now and I was a voter, I would vote for Mia. Okay, that's because that's my choice of the two. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't call her out on actions that are obviously not in the spirit of the party platform, right? I mean, we, oh, dang. We, 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 hey, Brad, number two's coming up. Let's uh, jump into that. Uh, Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share the show. Here we go. Okay, we're continuing with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Remember last week when I was all bent out of shape? Yeah, that was me last week. This week, it's all Brad all the time. Uh, Brad, all right, we're going to move off of this one. Again, let me summate with what I just said, because somebody said, she's nice, Clayman's not. Look, I would still, if, it, if I was in the voting booth right now and had those choices in front of me, I'd still vote for Mia. The problem is, is that if we don't call out the actions of the people that we support when they're wrong, they'll just keep doing it. Right. So we've got to bring this to their attention and it doesn't mean you shouldn't vote for her. It just means call her out when it's not right. That's what you do. All right. Number two, Brad, number two, the out migration in the state of Alaska. It's become a great talking point, although Les didn't bring it up yesterday. Uh, but I know that it's being brought up in various forms. Hit me with it. So there's an article in the Alaska Beacon uh, written by James Brooks. The headline of it is Dunleavy Challenger Attacks Incumbent Over State's Population Decline. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's an article on comments that Les made down at the Southeastern Alaska uh, Foundation uh, Forum uh, last week, uh, essentially blaming the Dunleavy administration for the state's outmigration uh, to uh, uh, the, the loss of population more people leaving the state than coming into the state. That's it. That's net out migration. Uh, uh, blaming the Dunleavy administration for that and saying that under a Guerra administration, we would, we wouldn't have that. We would reverse that. And it's a, it's a, it, it's sort of a, a, a novel way. Slide into the attacks on Dunleavy's K through 12 cuts or proposed K through 12 cuts. They didn't actually happen. Um, uh, proposed university cuts that are now almost all the way back. Proposed cuts on on the ferries that uh, the southeastern Alaska uh, Sea Highway that uh, that that's in the process of, of getting sorted out. Hopefully, eventually. It, it but but he's trying to he's trying to feed all that into that's what's feeding the state's uh, out migration. 
Alaska, Alaska has had periods of in-migration. They've had periods of out-migration. And it all depends on, on, it all boils down to one thing. What's going on in the lower 48? Right. If there are jobs in the lower 48, good paying jobs in the lower 48, Alaska has out-migration. If, if the lower 48 is going through economic distress uh, and there are good jobs as there are when oil prices are high um, in Alaska and there's a lot of oil projects going on, historically, um, uh, then Alaska has in-migration. If those two things are relatively in balance, uh, Alaska sort of goes up and down between out-migration and in-migration. K through 12 might have an impact. Status of K through 12 might have an impact at the margin on some families. University might have an impact at the margin on some families. Um, and other things that Les talked about might have an impact at the margin on some families. But the bulk of what shifts Alaska's population in or out is what's going on in the lower 48 with respect to jobs. Um, and, and frankly, you know, we've got a very, we've got a high uh, uh, employment rate, people, uh, employers searching for people in the lower 48, just as we are in Alaska. We've got the lower 48 going through the same sort of teacher problem uh, uh, that we are in Alaska. I've spent a lot of time uh, in Illinois recently with my mother um, and the, the articles, the newspaper down here are teacher shortage. Uh, uh, you know, how are we going to get more teachers? Uh, employee shortage. How are we going to get more employees? You know, we need, we need people for, for uh, uh, restaurants. We need people for bus drivers. I mean, the same sort of stuff we're seeing in Alaska. And what that does, because it's, it's less expensive to live in the lower 48, and the and the and the pay scale doesn't isn't that far different from Alaska. What that does is pull people from Alaska down to the lower 48, or in 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 another way, stop people, keep people in the lower 48, not moving uh, not moving up to Alaska. So th those sorts of attacks by less, I think, are they're cute politically as a way of sort of bundling together his 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 attacks on K through 12 on the university on right. on on the ferry and, and those sorts of cuts but that's not what's going on well not what's, to, go, what's going on is the difference in the econo in the in the economies between the lower well and not and to mention the fact that Dunleavy inherited this with a recession and then went straight into a pandemic i mean those things were i mean we were in the middle of a recovery slow recovery that that immediately got short circuited by a pandemic so to me it's not surprising that there was an out migration on top of that plus Garen never accepts the fact that by cutting the permanent fund and sucking billions of dollars out of the private economy, he also made it less attractive as a legislator and the legislature as a whole made it less attractive to remain here because that money was being sucked out of the economy and spent on government. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, uh, I mean, those are other ways of comparing the, the lower 48 economy against the Alaska economy, but it's not, it's not K through 12. It's not the university. All of those are debates we can have and, and arguments about whether or not we ought to be funding them more or funding them not. But that's not the cause of the out-migration. The, ca the cause is the relative strength of the lower 48 economy against, uh, against the Alaska economy. Um, and, and of course, these are the games that get played, uh, during the, uh, during the election cycle, uh, of course. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it's that whole idea of, 
it must be the governor's fault um, trying to lay it all at the feet. But at the same time, uh, you know, when things happen uh, under the next governor, well, that's, you know, outside of my control. This is the the big picture thing that we see where they may have small effects on it, but they don't have really they don't have the lever, the secret lever that can flip the switch and make it happen. Yeah, exactly right, Michael. And and we ought to be I guess I guess my my. Con- complaint concern about less focusing on that and trying to use that as the tool to bundle all of his other arguments is we we misdirect Alaskans right we all think well you know it's it's because of K through twelve it's because of the university it's all and and our economy is suffering we're losing all these people it's not let let's set let's let's be honest about what's driving that and set that aside and say yeah that's that maybe an issue we need to address but it's not a political issue it's not it's not an issue that 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 the governor uh, uh, is is encouraging or or not, or not encouraging at any given point in time. Let's focus on the issues. Let's focus on the issues that really the governor has has some control over. Right. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, we got about three and a half minutes here for number three, which we've been trying to get to for a couple of weeks, and that is the lukewarm pick for the Department of Revenue Commissioner. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we talked about. I talked about. Uh, the why the Department of Revenue Commissioner is such an important spot. It sort of sets the tone for for how we think about revenue, and we need to be thinking about revenue uh, in this state for the reasons that we talked about uh, in the last segment. And and we need somebody who's creative, who gets up every morning and says, "How do we make revenue more equitable, more fair, and lower impact?" Devin is is not that person. I mean, Devin's a great bureaucrat, uh, but but Devin's the kind of person who just sort of you know goes along to get along. During the Walker administration, my great memory of Devin is during the Walker administration, Devin was the one who went to Wall Street when Alaska bonds, Alaska's bond rating was going back and forth. Went to Wall Street and said, don't worry about it. We got these permanent fund earnings that we can direct to government and make sure we cover, cover government spending. Don't worry about, about Alaska's fiscal situation. We got it handled. And, and set the tone, set the expectation at Wall Street that then backed up and hit us in Alaska that we would use permanent fund earnings instead of, as Hammond intended, half to the PFD, half to government, that we would use more than half for government, whatever it took uh, to, to cover government spending and, 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 and wouldn't put our bond rating at risk, not by raising revenues equitably across the state, but by using permanent fund earnings and raising them on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. That was Devin uh, during the Walker administration. So to expect to expect this guy, uh, and nice guy, but to expect this guy to get up every morning and think, how do I make Alaska's revenue system more equitable and with a lower impact on the overall economy? To expect Devin to get up and do that is just, it, that's just not what he does. Right. It's he, not his he mindset. Spin, he spins. Devin's job, Devin's job is as debt manager and, and, and what Devin's job is going to be, what the Dunleavy administration is going to look for him as, as revenue commissioner is to spin, spin whatever the administration, spin whatever story the administration's come up with to justify whatever they're doing at, at any given point in time. Reminds me of the master of coin from Game of Thrones. That's exactly what it is. The crown wants it. I'll go get the money somewhere, no matter who I take it from. That's what it comes down to, uh, for sure. And it would have been nice to see uh, another candidate in there. Brad, about one minute left here. Well, I we, we need. I mean, let, let's go back to the let's go back to the basics on the revenue commissioner. We need somebody who gets up every morning and says. 
How do I make Alaska's revenue structure more equitable? And how do I lower the impact on the overall economy? PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on 80% of Alaska families and the largest adverse impact of any revenue structure on, uh, on, on the overall Alaska economy. It is the worst thing we can be doing. We need a revenue commissioner who gets up and says, and starts talking about, we can do things better. We can raise revenue more equitably and we can raise it with a lower impact on the overall economy. That's what we need a revenue commissioner. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Uh, we look forward Michael. to talking to you next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Our two dead ahead, Chris Story, maybe Jim, uh, Jim Minnery. We'll see what happens here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, I don't even know if I want to go back to the Mia Costello thing. Brad is, is so ramped up about this. Um, you know, look, uh, again, I, I don't think, are you, let, let me get, let me be, let me get clarification here. You're not saying don't vote for Mia versus Clayman. You're saying let's call a spade a spade. Let's call out the bad behavior. Am I, am I wrong? Or is there another choice in that race that you would rather endorse rather than Mia uh, at this point? Or are you just basically saying we have to call out the bad behavior? I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm honestly saying, I'm honestly saying, I don't know who I would vote for in that race right now. I mean, I've, I've supported Mia in the past. I would like to support Mia in the future, but it's this sort of stuff. And it's not me, it's Bethany Markham who's, who's pointing out the, uh, I mean, don't look at me, Republican women of Fairbanks. It's Bethany Markham who's pointing out uh, the, the problems that, that is, are being created by uh, these sorts of, of private grants. Uh, uh, and and the and the adverse impact that has on Alaska's economy. All I'm adding to it is saying, and they're coming out of PFDs. Don't think for Republicans to say, I'm I support a full PFD. I'm in I'm in favor of PFD. No taxes. We don't need taxes. I'm in favor of a full full PFD. But just spend this six hundred thousand dollars on my on on my constituents. You know, you multiply that. You multiply that by the sixty legislators. That, that that want their, you know, $600,000 yeah. or a million dollars, and it just gets out of hand. And so I'm saying, I'm saying it's hypocrisy on both sides. I, I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a relative level of hypocrisy. Maybe Matt Clayman is at a higher level of hypocrisy than, than Mia, but there's hypocrisy on both sides. And, and if we are going to get Alaska's fiscal situation under control, that hypocrisy has to end on both sides. It can't, it can't just keep, we can't just keep saying, oh, it's the Democrats' fault because the Republicans are doing it too. It needs to end on both sides. If I mean, that we, we had this discussion sort of in connection with what does it mean if the Republicans take back the House? Well, it doesn't mean anything if we get this sort of behavior again, if we get the sort of behavior that you have to protect this in my district and that in that district, and oh, we can't have taxes, um, and so there's no place else to go, but the PFD. Right. I mean, that's 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 what we're left with. Well, and, so, I, and I get tired of this argument of uh, because I've faced this at every level with every politician. Whether it was I remember getting criticized for complaining about the actions of George W. Bush back in the day. Uh, I remember getting criticized about uh, my comments on Trump back in the day. How you know he's the best choice, or he or she is the best choice? Again, if you don't call out the bad behavior, how hypocritical is it of you 
the average voter or the super voter, how hypocritical is it of us to say we need to have cuts? Well, except for this person, they, they've got a pretty good head on their shoulders. So they, if we don't call out the bad behavior, they will continue to do it. That's the problem. And, and, and Brian here says it best. He says, Mankin, H.L. Mankin, by the way, for those of you who don't know that is, is a libertarian writer, said something like, an election is an advanced auction of stolen goods. And <laughs> that's, it's 100% true. I mean, it's 100% true. Well, you know, it'd be great except for when I do it and then it's okay, Brad, right? Yeah, exactly right, Michael. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to support Mia. I would love to say, by gosh, she's walked the talk. She's been there. She's been a fiscal conservative. She's stopped the stopped the excess spending. She's protected the PFD to the maximum extent she possibly can. She hasn't. I mean, and this proves it. Right. This, this, this I mean, and well, again, it's not me, I, Bethany, that's pointing it I, out uh, in her op-ed piece. I, and this I, proves it. I like Mia, but I'm also reminded that she was part of the cabal that put together SB 26 and uh, was kind of part of that crew as well. And and so, I, you know, she's got to be reminded of which side of the bread is buttered, so to speak. And I think this is just another way of pointing it out and saying that was probably not a good idea. I mean, it may have made your constituents feel good and you may have gotten some kudos at some meeting. But the problem is. It's 600000 here, 600000 there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money. And $6 million for a, a museum and some of these other things. Great. Nice to have. Go out and collect the money privately. That's what you should do. Not take it from the people and spread the wealth and redistribute the wealth for the good of the people. That's socialism. That's what that is. That's right. I mean, it's it. let's not take it from the Duke's family in, in Wasilla. Let's not take it from the... From the Macheki family in in the Kenai, let's not take it from you know we can go around the state and have various families. If Diamond wants diving boards, let's let the people that support the Diamond Alumni Association, let's let them raise the money sure. to, uh, uh, to to build it. Go if Don Winchester wanted the the University of Alaska Anchorage Arena. Let's let him go out like every other university at right. the time that was building those structures. Let's let, let him go out and 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 build fifty per, or uh, raise fifty percent of the cost from private from private donors. Well, let's let's raise a hundred percent of the cost. You go out sell candy bars, do whatever you need to do, find donations, find endowments, go you know make it happen. Why does it have to be government that we go to back at every opportunity? Because the money's free. Because it's easier to strong arm and manipulate politicians than it is to go to the private sector and sell your product, whatever your product is, whatever your cause is. All of those things should be funded by private money, not by the government. That's insane. And the fact, Michael, we're talking about this, still talking about this in the 2020s, when we saw what this did to us in the 20-teens, the fact that we still have legislators who are doing this sort of thing in the 2020s, is just infuriating. I mean, yeah. did we not learn the lessons? Yeah. No, we we apparently didn't learn the lessons. And I guess that's why you got to keep bringing it up and take the heat and be bad and do all that kind of stuff. I'm with you, though, Brad. I agree with you. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't pull the lever for her if I was in the if I was in the shot. But uh, I got to say that uh, it, it definitely means we've got to call her out. All right, Brad. Thanks for uh, coming on board and joining us. As always, I appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this.
put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and, of course, links to the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and you'll find the podcasts and more. It is The Michael Duke Show, also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska uh, on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning to you. It is Tuesday and we are, uh, we're hip deep in it. Um, I just, we just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. An interesting program this morning and an interesting discussion. Uh, it's got uh, half of the chat room all of Twitter uh, about uh, uh, you know, calling out that the spade is a spade is what I'm saying. Uh, calling out bad behavior on the part of Republicans. Now, um, I I want to get into that. I'll, I'll just let me let me stick a pin in that for a second. Remind you that coming up in a few minutes, we're going to be talking with Chris Story, the man from Homer. Uh, and he is going to be going over a life coach. We're going to talk about the art of communication, the art of communication. And uh, we're going to talk with... Uh, uh, we're going to talk with him about that. We may hear from Jim Minnery this morning as well, although I see that he hasn't read my message yet. He wanted to come on this morning and talk about the uh, slew of convention yes rallies that are taking place statewide today. And there are a bunch of statewide rallies going on today at 6 p.m. Um, you, uh, If you're in Anchorage at the Keith Manterbach uh, hangar, uh, there's going to be a rally. In Fairbanks at the Mushers Hall, there's going to be a rally. In Kenai at Paradiso's restaurant, there's going to be a rally. And in Wasilla at the Barn Matsu is going to be the rally, all taking place at 6 p.m. tonight. Um, and so folks can go out there and uh, and let their voice be heard on the convention. Yes. These are the pro-con-con statewide rallies, 6 p.m. tonight. So, <clears throat> again, Fairbanks, Anchorage, Wasilla, and Kenai, if you would like to, uh, to, uh, 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 to go out to those things. And if Jim calls back, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that here in just a, uh, just a hot second. So we're going to, if he calls in, we'll talk about it. Uh, meanwhile, um, just know that they're happening. And wherever you are, um, uh, Fairbanks at the Mushers Hall, Kenai at Paradiso's Restaurant, and here in the Valley at the Barn Matsu, that's where you go to participate tonight at 6 p.m. All right. <clears throat> Let me go back to this thing with, uh, with uh, Mia Costello. Mia um, has done some good work. 
definitely done some good work and she's been part of the uh she's been part of the senate uh, conservative caucus and we appreciate that but again if there was you know if there was uh uh something that people you know somebody did wrong you have to call it out otherwise the behavior repeats now a lot of people are bent out of shape because they're like well what you want matt to win you want this to win you want no that's not what we're saying Again, if I was in the voting booth today and it was Matt or Mia, I'd pull the lever for Mia. But that doesn't mean that we allow the bad decision to go unchecked. That we would be just as hypocritical if we allowed it to go unchecked as anybody else. Uh, Barbara in the chat room says, you're not voting for a priest or a nun. You have a limited choice, Mia or Matt. Was I thrilled with the amendment? No. Was it worth 15 minutes of negative press five years later in a hot race that could flip the Senate blue? There are a lot more sins on Matt's side. He's not at all pro PFD. Well, first of all, it wasn't five years later. This is from this last session. It's from two months ago. And we brought it up then. And again, it is indicative of the attitude of some of the Republicans in general. Now, if this if this uh, stands as a warning for other Republicans to not be hypocritical in this way, then it's worth the 15 minutes of discussion. It doesn't mean that we don't vote for them. There are nuances here. And if people can't get beyond the the black and white of you're criticizing my guy, you must be evil. You're criticizing my guy. You must want the other guy to win. That's not what I'm saying. There there are shades of gray in here, folks. But if we do not, and, and this has been part of my problem for the for, with with many folks in both the left and the right for a long time, but you know, specifically <clears throat> with the Republican Party, which again is the party of smaller government, right? That's part of their platform, party of smaller government, less taxes, less spending. And yet when you get a member who steps out beyond the bounds of that and you criticize them and then everybody dogpiles on you and says, well, you can't do, do you want the other guy to win? No, but I want my candidate to act properly. And this is the warning shot across the bow for the candidate to not step out of the lane, right? I mean, or is it okay to just say, well, you know, it's only $600,000. What's $600,000? Well, it's not just $600,000. It's six hundred thousand there. It's two million for the other thing. It's six million for the, for the, uh, for the uh, 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 the museum. It's this and that and the other thing. And pretty soon we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. So that's all okay, and you still want your full PFD? Where do you, where do you think that money is coming from? Again, this is not to say don't vote for the candidate. That's not what's going on. And this is something that the Democrats have a tendency not to do. They keep everything behind closed. They don't, out in the public, they don't chastise their their candidates out in public, right? It's all behind closed doors. They kumbaya. This is something that is uniquely, I think, um, in the conservative bent. We need to call those folks out. And if it has to be done publicly, then so be it. Well, you're just giving more. I mean, you want the other guy to win. I don't want the other guy to win. 
What I want are candidates that uphold the principles of the party for which they're representing or the philosophy that they're up there representing. That's what it is. And if you are not thick-skinned enough to take a little criticism, and I'm not saying that me is not, I'm just saying if, if the voter is not thick-skinned enough to take a little criticism for their candidate, are you being intellectually honest about what the candidate is doing? Right? I mean, if, if you're doing it, if, if they're doing it wrong, how will they know unless they're corrected? And I, and I know how, I know how hard it is when you get a parade of people in front of you saying, oh, I need some money. I need some money because we have this sob story and we have that sob story. And I see what it, I see what it's done to people. I remember John Coghill in my office at one point or in the studio, and we're talking about, you know, the spending and everything else. And he just says, Michael, you don't understand people coming into my office every day telling me their stories and, you know, and how hard it is. And, and, you know, they've got the, and I just, I, I just have to give them money. Essentially. It's just, it's, except for it's not your money, John. It's not your money politician, fill in the blank, representative, senator. It's the people's money. And the sob story may be heart pulling, may be heart tugging. It may be, it may be just crushing. But does that make it right? Does it make it government's responsibility? And these alumni associations, shouldn't they be alumni association support groups, all these other, you know, clubs and stuff? Why should the government be their first stop when it comes to filling out the ledger book and filling up the bank account? Why don't they go to the community and raise the money in the community amongst the user groups who are doing it, who are using it? Why? Why, you know, you got a user group that's out there that's doing it? Why not? Or is it, the? I mean, why shouldn't the municipality? Why shouldn't the school district? I mean, this is a the Diamond High School s swimming pool. Why isn't the school district putting money? I mean, they got $80 million in CARES Act money that's sitting there. Can't they shuffle some stuff around? Why, why is it the state government's responsibility? But really, why is it the government's responsibility to do a lot of these things, these museums and everything else? No, nah. um, Barbara says, no, it isn't okay. But you also point out the other side's issue. We did point out the other side's issue. We did point out, we did point out Clayman's track record of wanting to grow government and, you know, put together a, a defined benefits and all this other kind of stuff. You're saying, no, it isn't okay to call people out. You're wrong, Barbara. You're wrong. I'm calling you out. You're wrong. With all due respect, if we don't call out our own, if we don't call out our own, uh, uh, our own team members, then we are no better than anybody else who just takes the PFD and, and goes on, on, I mean, we're no better. We need, 
we need to uh, to take uh, to uh, to call out the bad behavior of people. Otherwise, again, we're no better. All right, um, we're coming up on the break uh, again tonight. The pro con con rallies are going on across the state of Alaska, Anchorage, Wasilla, Fairbanks, Kenai. Uh, somebody asked at the barn. Matsu.com is the directions to the barn in Wasilla at the Matsu at uh, I'm sorry, at the barn. Matsu.com at the barn. Matsu.com is where you go to get directions to that one. Mushers Hall in Fairbanks, Paradiso Restaurant in Kenai, and Keith Manternock Hangar, which is at 3720 Belanca Way, number 1B, or 18. I can't see. It's very small print. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll get you more about that here as we go through this morning. All right, we're coming up on it. We've got, uh, we've got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Chris Story is coming up next. And we're going to talk with him about the art of communication. Obviously, I need some lessons in that. We're going to jump into this here in just a moment. Back with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Um, We're in the break right now. It's straight-up crony capitalism to be funding private enterprise. Private enterprise has to survive on their business model or be allowed to fail. Yes. Uh, Chuck Olson. Chucko Olson. I don't know. Chucko Olson on YouTube. Never heard of Bernie Sanders, I guess. I don't know what that means. Don't know what that means. I have heard of Bernie Sanders. He's the guy sitting in the chair, right, with his mittens. That's Bernie Sanders. Uh, I have heard of him. He's something back there. Um... Um, if the Republicans remain stubborn to rank the red, that is Peltola will be hard to beat. Yes, it is. Um, scrolling through here, scrolling through here, professional panhandlers begging for money, says Chris. It's the truth. And the government is the easiest mark of them all. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the easiest one. Um, All right. I'm still scrolling through. Accountability for voting records is important, but the Democratic side does need to be in the main focus. Chastise the offender to try to push them back to the fold while working to defeat the Democrat. At the end of the day, it's easier to work with Republicans on issues important to us than it is with Democrats, although there are notable exceptions. Uh, That's what MD is basically saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm not saying unelect the Republican. I'm saying hold the Republican accountable and also point out the flaws in the Democratic uh, story as well. Okay. Um, donation and Timothy saying what I was saying, donations by the community or the cares act money could have been used to fund the diving board. Yes, absolutely. Um, eh, scrolling through here, scrolling through here, uh, waiting. Chris story is going to be joining us here in a hot second here. Let me 
suppose I should get. I got too many cords, too many cables on my desk. Look at all these cables. Um, all right, let me get this put together and we will get Chris story. Um, ah, as soon as he calls in, we'll be ready for him. We'll be red. We'll be ready for him. Call them out. Says Johnny Robinson. Um, uh, okay. Uh, back to work. Everybody have a great day. Um, in regards to your assertion that Dems never infight. Oh, that's what Chaco Wilson was talking about. Perhaps you missed what happened in the past couple of cycles. They do infight to a point uh, at a certain level. I agree with you. Uh, so I stand corrected on that, Chaco Wilson. But in like the average, most of the average races, if they're going to criticize each other, it's usually in, in, you'll have to admit that the Republicans are much better about criticizing each other out in the open rather than in public. That's, that's what I'm saying. Um, um, uh, okay. Nobody, uh, nobody wants to donate their own money in the community. So they ask the state to take it from everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> that is, uh, that is it. Um, okay. Um, I have a brother that has a saying, if you see me sinning, call me out. I'd rather be embarrassed on my way to heaven than oblivious on my way to hell. Same concept. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the whole point. Call out and correct. Otherwise, you've got no room to complain, right? Call them out and correct them. That's what it comes down to. All right. <sighs> Have you liked and shared the show? Have you liked and followed the show page? Have you done all those things? Have you gone out to Twitch and followed us there? Have you subscribed and rang the bell on YouTube? If not, I don't even know where we're at on YouTube. I wanted to get 1,000 people on YouTube and... Uh, and uh, I don't know, I got 4,000 followers on Facebook. I can't get a quarter of them to go over to YouTube. Let me see how many are. 358 subscribers on YouTube right now. 358 subscribers. Um, I'm, that means I only need 642 more. 642 more of you to go over there and like me on YouTube. Anyway. That's that's how it works. Chris Story is in the wings. Are you with us? Good morning, Michael. All right, you uh, you ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the art of communication, right? That's the plan. Yes. Okay. In three easy steps. In three easy steps. All right. Uh, we will uh, we'll we'll be right back to you. Chris Story is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Here we go. I don't know why it does that. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. It's uh, that time of the week and that time of the day of the week. Yep, that's right. Chris Story, the man from Homer. He comes on board to talk with us about uh, uh, life and uh, what makes it good and, and how to be better and uh, everything else. A little bit of life coaching. 
And today he's going to talk with us about the art of communication. The art of communication in three easy steps, each one only $14.95. Come on down, <laughs> right? That's right. Monthly installments accepted. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, thank you, Rob, for that little uh, dig in the chat room. Uh, good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Michael, if I was any better, I'd be my own twin. Ooh. I think that's an expression. Yeah, that's. I think if I'd be any better, there'd be two of me. But that's fine. It, you'd be your own twin, which would be very confusing for your wife. Um, so what's uh, what's what's happening? Give us uh, give us your. Uh, you got the weekly. You, you want to catch up real quick before you give us the uplift, or what? Well, I you know it's funny. I, I got a message from our mutual friend Kipper yesterday, and he said that he was relieved when he realized how far from Nome Homer was on top of the world. And uh, his point was that we weren't anywhere near the typhoon and, and he could right. stop worrying. And I said, well, the, the interesting thing is, I, and this sounds arrogant, and I do not mean it to sound this way, but it is, uh, wherever I am is on top of the world. It's a philosophy. <laughs> it's, a ph it's a philosophy. It's not a location. <laughs> it's a mindset. No matter where you go, there you are on top yeah. of the world. And that's how, how do you communicate that? How do you communicate with confidence and not being mis misread as arrogant? Well, sometimes people will, but how do you communicate in, I mean, misread you, how, how do you communicate in general? And so it, there's not infinite numbers of ways to communicate, except there is because there's infinite number of conversations that can be had, but there's a, there's a finite art. There is a way, there is a style, there is an effectiveness, there's tools with which we all have available to us to communicate effectively or more effectively than we do now. And I boiled it down to three easy steps, Michael, because that's just, just the way the mind works, right? Okay. Three, three, it's three not is the infinite. Magic, it's the magic number. That's three. That's right. That's right. So the, the first step in the art of communication is identify, identify who you are talking to, who you're communicating with, who do you strive to communicate with? So if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. You've got to identify who is it you are talking to. Who do you want to move? Who do you want to communicate with? And what message that you have to deliver, who is it best suited for? And then you can tailor make the message for that person once you've identified who it is you're talking to. But again, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. Okay. All right. So targeting, targeting your audience. This is like advertising. There's three things that make radio work. It's the same thing, but it's targeting your audience. You're not trying to sell denture creams to 18 year olds, or you're mm -hmm. not trying to sell video games to 80 year olds, right? I mean, it's a targeting of your audience. It's identifying who they are. And then the trick to this little thing is that there's more than three steps, Michael. <laughs> there's facets on this diamond because you have to identify with who you're talking to, not just who are you talking to. Yes, identify who you're talking to, but you have to identify with them. And who are you talking to? Find things to identify with. If you're a young person talking to an old person or vice versa, there are things that you can identify with that person that will allow you to better communicate. If you're, you're old, they're young, maybe you're both parents. Maybe you both have had parents. Maybe you have common interests. Identify with the person. And this is not artificial. This is not insincere. This is from a sincere place. And I should have stipulated that. All that we're talking about here is coming from a sincere place, not trying to just get, because this is a tool that with which if we give this weapon to the wrong people, 
and they persuade bad ideas and they persuade right. good people towards bad intentions. This right. is a, this is dangerous. But much I is, think it's too much is given, much is required. Do not let this weapon out of your hands. That's right, exactly. So identify who you're talking to, and then identify with them, and make sure that the communication is tailor-made for who you're talking to, but also then you're seeking to understand them. That is truly the second piece of this art of communication, is to seek to understand who you're talking to, which means you have to listen, and it's mission critical in communication. Even though you're in the broadcasting industry, Michael, you truly do realize that you're talking with the audience, not well, you, you have to I create, think that's understood. Right. You have to create the common ground, right? I mean, without common ground, it's almost, it's, it's, it's an advers even mildly, it's an adversarial relationship until you create the common ground between the two, you can't meet in the middle or, or come together unless you have that common ground to speak on. Common ground, but I would go, I would push back on that and say, truly what I mean to say is an understanding of where that person's been. I may be, so if I seek to understand you and I'm trying to identify with you, there are some things to your point that we, we can have in common, we can identify, we can become uh, maybe a little bit more compatible with each other and, and have some patience with each other or realize, oh, we have this in common, that's identify with, but then to seek to understand before you're understood. And what I mean to say is that I may wholeheartedly disagree with you politically on a certain issue, but if I know where you're coming from, then I can enter the third step of communication, which is to persuade. But if I don't know where you're coming from, I don't know your life experience, I haven't listened to you, I'm not sure how or when you formulated this opinion that I'm disagreeing with, and I'm hoping to persuade you to a different opinion. If I don't understand how you formed your opinion, I'm not going to be as effective in my communication It'll be more pointed at you rather than with you and bringing you along towards where I would like you to go. So if I understand where you've been, how you got to this, I'll give you an example. I, I had a um, sort of like Barack Obama's beer summit. I had my own coffee summit with somebody that I found myself into a bit of a disagreement with. And I said, help me understand, because you made a snap judgment. I said to this person, you made a very snap judgment. Help me understand where that came from. And I listened to them and I started to realize, oh, they have an entire lifetime of perception of this coming at them from, okay, I, now I can, now we can communicate with each other and I can hopefully persuade this person towards my way of thinking because I truly believe in what I am, quote, selling or trying to communicate. Right. So, so put the first your, step is put yourself ahead. in their shoes, is what you're saying. Yeah. Walk a mile in their moccasins and you'll understand a little bit better. Or at least understand the, the roadmap with which they've been traveling and how they got here. Even if I can't put myself in those shoes because I'm not of that gender, persuasion, or ethnicity, or what have you, I can at least understand, ah, this is how you got here, and now I can begin to persuade. Because that's that's really what communication is about. Sometimes it's just for pleasure. Sometimes, we, you know, Les Brown always said, I've got cookie friends. I've got political friends. I've got friends I can call at three o'clock in the morning uh, to bail me out. Cookie friends are just people that will bring you, you know, bring you cookies or soup when you're sick. You know, political friends, people you can debate with and still remain friends. Not everybody can you have all of these conversations. Not everybody you know can you call at two o'clock in the morning to come bail you out if you were, were in trouble. Right. Or hide the body. Or in Michael's right. case, yeah, I was going to say in your case, bury the body. Right. Um, but. 
but truly persuasion is that third step of communication because you can identify with the person, you can identify who you're talking to, you can identify with them, find a commonality you just spoke of, then understand where they come from, how do they formulate their opinions. But if you are not able to persuade, some of the greatest persuaders of all time, and I think some of the greatest salespeople of all time, are calm. They don't, you don't even think of them as a persuader or a salesperson, and that would be, say, a Milton Friedman economist, Thomas Sowell economist. These kinds of people that are very subtle, very calm. You can never ruffle their feathers. They're very persuasive because they have the ability to transfer a feeling. The transference of a feeling truly is selling. It's the essence of selling is to transfer a feeling. And we now have MRI technology that shows the activity of the person's brain speaking is the same center of the brain where the listeners activated while listening. So communication truly is a telepathy, a mental telepathy, truly is persuasion of the highest calling is to communicate and then transfer one feeling to another. So when you you're identified who you're talking to, you understand them a little better because you listen and now you're persuading through transference. So when you're saying that you need to get in sync with people or be on the same mm -hmm. brainwave, you're really literally meaning the same brainwave because the, they oscillate at this. When people are communicating in that good way and they're in an understanding and they're in that kind of communion of communication, then it is literally their brains are in sync at that point is what you're saying. Absolutely. Literally scientifically proven. What we've known for thousands of years is now able to be shown scientifically. So... America, for example, you do not have to sell or persuade the poor, the downtrodden, uh, the, the people of the third world. You do not have to persuade them on America. They're coming here. They're on their way. They're, they're crossing the border every day. They're risking their life to get here every day. You do not have to spend a lot of time persuading the rest of the world that this idea of America, this constitution, this, this form of government and, and independence and the fact that we have put the individual ahead of the collective and that the individual is the essence of our freedom. All, you don't need to sell that to people outside of America. We find ourselves needing to persuade Americans of this and, and the fact that it came so easily, we were born with it so easily taken for granted. That's where I'm seeking to persuade America and the philosophy of America to ourselves and that we would have that reputation to live up to as Ronald Reagan, the greatest communicator of our modern time, said the shiny city on the hill. That is truly, and, and when you just think of it in terms of like that, it's like, look, I, we've all had our own experience of America and maybe yours has been better than that person's or vice versa. But at the same time, that truly is the highest calling. I think that it could be brought to bear for politicians. You were talking about Mia voting for the, uh, the diving board, what have you, right, whatever right. bill, pick, pick a bill and a politician votes for it. And, and then you say, well, look, we could tear them down or we could build them up and, and deliver an art of communication even back to the politicians. Because we so often think, oh, the, the politicians are communicating with us. It's the, we communicate with our politicians and how we do it makes a difference. If we come at people with knives out and say, I'm <laughs> never going to vote for you again. This is it. You're done. Then we, we shut the door to that piece of the communication and all that's left of their advertising campaign back at us. Got to got to be able to communicate with the people that we think can carry the ball of America, freedom and our Constitution further down the field. Chris Story is our guest, uh, the man from Homer. Uh, we're talking about the art of communication. So 
uh, break it down. Why, I mean, is this, this is an everyday thing? Is this just for salespeople? Is this just for people who are public speaking? Give me the, what, what's your, what's your deal here? Yes, yes, yes. Any, anybody and everybody. I think we communicate with each other, you know, parents, you know, the art of communication with uh, husbands and wives, anybody in a relationship would like to be in a relationship would like to improve upon the, the way with which they're presenting themselves to the world. It starts with our language. It starts with how we communicate. And part of that is, like I say, broken down to who are you communicating to? Can you identify with that person and find uh, a way to, yeah, seek commonality and understand where they've been, even if you can't empathize or excuse me, sympathize with where they've been. Maybe you can empathize and you can begin to understand where they're coming from and then persuade. But I think it's, it just comes back to a simple aphorism if you needed it. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And uh, Helen Keller said something. She said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And daring, by definition, means audaciously bold. So I think your communication can and should be audaciously bold. However, if you wish it to be effective, it needs to be with other people, not at them. And that's the thing. I think, you know, people people uh, feel they get disgruntled when you talk at them. They feel insulted. Right. I mean, it, and and you've seen this in different groups and stuff where people immediately get uh, agitated. But if you get a speaker that can empathize with the whole room uh, and uh, and have that empathy and, and read the room and read that they're not talking at them, they're talking with them and they can move. I mean, they can move a whole, move a whole group of people versus the people who are just kind of, you know, arms folded, very gruff. You're talking at me and I'm insulted by it. Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Ronald Reagan, um, the, Milton Friedman, as I said moments ago, these these people have moved the world in, in different right. ways and in their own unique ways through their words and their communication and um, I think they're just really wonderful examples but of, always of use what it, we can do. But always use it for good because we also have like Hitler, right? I mean, we have some people who can move people, but we've got to use it for good because uh, with all the good examples, there's still bad examples. We have to use it only for good in that regard. But I think that that is, a, you know, this is a life lesson that could be used uh, for many people that you've, you, when you, if you're talking one-on-one or you're talking to a whole hall of people, these principles are exactly the same. Bryce Pritchett said the struggle is part of the trap. And what he meant to say is that the struggle, um, you can identify with the struggle to overcome evil or whatever and lose sight of the fact that, oh, maybe, maybe we've already won. And I think that's what's happened in America is that so often we get locked into these traps of struggle that we identify with the struggle such that we don't want to let the struggle go. And that's hard to communicate when you're coming from a place uh, other than the person who identifies with that struggle, be it right. politicians and spending or different classes within our, our democracy and so forth. I, I don't know. I, I just really feel strongly, Michael, that all of us, including myself, which is why I read books on the topic, could improve and hewn our art of communication such that we can actually move America to where we know it can be, which is better than it is today. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love homeralaska.com is his website. He's trying to tell you something there. I don't know what he's trying to tell you, but that's it right there. Uh, We need to, we need to be able to uh, tweak this and, and it would, if you put these things into practice and I've been studying this same thing for my entire adult life, um, it can move mountains for you. 
and uh, and make life better for you and for those around you. Again, this is a mutually beneficial relationship, right, with the people around you. So that's why we bring Chris Homer, uh, bring Chris Story on from Homer every week is to share that and hopefully uh, bring more out. Uh, you're you're uh, you're working on your book, Chris. What's the deadline? Give me the deadline here. What what's happening? November publishing deadline November. So okay. I'm working feverishly on the last uh, couple of chapters. It's awesome. If it's I awesome. Don't say so myself. It's awesome if you don't say so. I'll say it for you. You're a good writer, so I appreciate it, and Thank I you, enjoy sir. reading your stuff. So we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna see what we can come up with. Chris Story, I love HomerAlaska.com, author of The Backyard Millionaire, host of the uh, On Top of the World Radio, the broadcast every Tuesday and Thursday. He's got a podcast. He's got more books. He's got all kinds of stuff. He is a Renaissance man from way back before the Renaissance. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board. <laughs> my pleasure, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> it's always good to talk with you. All right, folks, we are coming up on the break. Time to uh, jump back into it. And I think that we will take some phone calls. Why not? Why not? We'll take some phone calls. I think that that, I think that, that would be appropriate, don't you? We'll, we'll take some phone calls and see what you have to say. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hey, look at that. One break left, and then we're back to it. Um, let me turn the phone lines on for you, and we will uh, get things uh, squared away here. Uh, I click the button, but nothing happened. Give me a second here. Come on, baby. Come on, don't fail me now. Uh, there we go. All right. So now we're going to do it, and I'm going to be quiet for just a second because usually it pegs the microphone out for a hot second when we do this. And uh, here we go. Okay. All right. So it didn't peg the microphone out, but it did raise it quite a bit. All right. So we're ready to go. Uh, phone lines are now ready. I suppose I should. Uh, I suppose I should log in and make sure that I can control everything from the switchboard, like I'm supposed to be able to. And look at that, we're ready to go, ready to go. All right, and boom, right there. Okay, so uh, we're ready to talk about uh, all the things that uh, you want to talk about here uh, this last morning. And, and if you want to chastise me for talking about, uh, uh, for talking or criticizing uh, Mia, then I guess we could talk about that or whatever. Uh, Chris Story is right. Americans need to better appreciate the freedom we have and the fact that it is fragile and could be easily lost. Some of it has already been lost, said Randy. And, uh, there's some, there's some people accepting that, uh, something that I agree with you on. All right. Did Chris say democracy? It need to be a, it shouldn't have been democracy. It should have been Republic. It's a democratic voting system in a Republic, but who am I to argue? <clears throat> All right. 
We get so used to fighting, says Rob, we forget what we're fighting for. Isn't that, I mean, that's, that's some truth right there. You know, uh, that is something right there for sure. I feel bad for Greg, Greg down in Homer, who has an excavation business, and he says, all this rain makes excavation work more like boating. I can't imagine trying to move all that mud, because that, that's what it is anymore. It's not even dirt anymore. It's just mud. How do you even, how do you even get any work done? That's my question. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, break time. Break time. Um, says Timothy. Okay. Uh, I got one line on hold. How far are we here? We're three minutes out, three minutes out. Let's get their name and where they're calling from before we get started. How about that? Good morning. Who's this and where are you calling from? This is Ron in North Pole, Mike. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Ron. Hold the line. Don't go anywhere. Don't say a word. I want to hold your call until we come back. Oh, you guys ready? Oh, I am ready to tackle the rest of the day today. It's going to be a, uh, yesterday was a hard one. Uh, Monday, Oof, all that rain. I think the rain's starting to depress me or something, man. I'm just like, ugh. I just look outside and go, ugh. Of course, I, I'd probably be doing the same thing if it was snowing. I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> what happened to my summer? Usually I go to Homer like two or three times in a summer, and I went once this year. I don't know. Priorities, I guess. Priorities. That's what it's all about. <sighs> all right. Uh, two minutes out. Oh, look. This is messed up, isn't it? Um, I'm looking here. Uh, I gotta fix something. Um, something's wrong with the Fairbanks. Something's wrong with the Fairbanks sting. Here we go. Nope. Let's go down here. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll do this and we'll do this and I'll copy and we'll put it right here. Uh, okay. Oh, look at that. Something was broken in Fairbanks on the radio station there. I just had to fix it. Okay, now we're now we're back. Now we're really a minute and 35 seconds out right now. Ron is going to be joining us here in just a minute. You're really ready for coffee and a smile. Yes, I know. I'm I'm ready for coffee and a I need more coffee. I had I had a energy drink this morning. I didn't have coffee. I didn't I was running late. I was running late. I've been covering, I was wearing many hats this morning. I started at 4.30 this morning and I'm wearing many hats. I'm doing some other stuff, uh, doing multiple shows all at the same time. I'm everywhere. I'm omnipresent on radio this morning. And so I didn't get a chance to make that coffee. So you're right, Debbie. I will be making coffee as soon as this show is over and having a half a pot all by myself. I have it myself all by myself. Uh, don't say the... Uh, S word says, Timothy snow, don't say the snow termination dust as we like to call it. Um, okay. I guess that means we're ready to go back into it. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's get to it. We got uh, one line on hold. We're going to take phone calls and nothing more. The Michael Luke show. 
All right. Uh, opening up the phone lines for our friends. Special thank you to our friends at Satellite West, by the way, for sponsoring the program today. As always, for all your communications needs, whether it's uh, internet or text or email or just phone calls, Satellite West can hook you up with the Iridium Satellite System, and you can do those things from anywhere in the state of Alaska. Go over to SatelliteWest.com, and you can uh, you can find out all about them. Meanwhile, phone lines are open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Ron is up in North Pole. And uh, he wanted to sound off this morning, so let's start off with him. Good morning, my friend. What's going on in your mind? Well, just uh, a very quick one here. Uh, boy, that uh, segment with Brad this morning was the best in months. Oh well, good. I'm glad you liked it. I mean, you're not, you're not, he, a, you're not yeah, offended then when we called out people for bad behavior. <laughs> That's the one, uh, and. Uh, uh, Maybe you need to keep an eight-cell cattle prod under your uh, console or something because he really is fun when he gets worked up. Yeah, he, he's getting a little – and he's right. You know, that's the thing. I mean, and I know Brad. Look, he's he supports the candidates financially, and, he, you know, he tries to help behind the scenes, and he does those things. But when he sees them do things like this, he gets disappointed, and and I agree. I mean, when you're investing and, and trying to, to help the situation and somebody flips a 180 on you – it feels a little, um, I mean, it feels a little deceptive. It hurts. It feels a little betraying, right? I mean, you know, you're supposed to be the pro, pro small government conservative, and you do something like this, then it's irritating. And again, if we don't call out the behavior, I mean, right, Ron? I mean, you, you know, you were in corrections, right? You know, you got to call out the bad behavior, otherwise, it just continues. Absolutely. Uh, in another vein, uh, I would uh, just something I've noticed in the last week or so. Uh, and I, I think the Murkowski people may rightly or wrongly sense some dread because uh, their TV and uh, radio advertisements have become extremely vicious. Yeah, no, they uh, they said they made a comment about this. Uh, I think I said it yesterday or last Thursday when they said that uh, the Murkowski may, uh, campaign made a, um, um, a conscious decision to go after Kelly Shibaka. They said for her misinformation quote unquote and lies or whatever but uh they they've taken the gloves off uh and the claws are out and it started and i think it's because what they're seeing is they're seeing kind of a, a groundswell uh of uh, of support for kelly now again i'll say the same thing that i said before i think this is still murkowski's race to lose uh, because she's got the name recognition, she's got the support across the, the Democratic aisle and everything else. And, of course, Pat Chesbro's second-place votes will probably be, the majority of them will probably be for Murkowski. So this is her race to lose. But if Kelly is able to motivate the base to get out and vote in the general, the base that wasn't there for the primary, she's got a good shot. And so anything that Murkowski can do to try and chip away at that, I think that's why you're seeing the gloves come off now, Ron. Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, well, it's good to talk to you. We'll talk to you again sometime in the future. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate you calling in and joining us. So that leaves all four lines open, <clears throat> or six lines, or however many lines I've got here. Um, uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. This article that Brad talked about from Bethany Markham over at the Alaska Policy Forum, uh, outlining all these different um 
all these different uh, um, uh, pet projects that were funded during the last uh, session. Um, that should be a roadmap, a blueprint for the people out there to see who supported those things. Um, and again, not that I dislike museums, you know, $2.5 million to the Alaska Sea Life Center. I love the Alaska Sea Life Center. I've given them money. I've bought a membership. I have done all of those things, uh, because I believe in their mission and I believe in what they do and I enjoy going there. Does that mean that I support the idea of taking $2.5 million of state monies and putting it in there? No. I mean, again, if it's got to stand on its own. I mean, they did their – you'll remember that during the pandemic – well, maybe you won't remember, but I was because, again, I'm on the mailing list and I, I'm part of it. They – um, they were during the pandemic, they were in a huge amount of, they were in a huge shortfall, huge shortfall. They needed to raise $2 million to keep the doors open and keep people going and doing all that kind of stuff. And they did it. They raised $2 million from the private sector. And it can be done. It obviously can be done, especially for an organization or a destination that people care about and are concerned about. Why do we need to go to Uncle Sugar at the state and get millions of dollars for these? If these things are good ideas, they will stand up on their own and people will support them. If they're not, well, then they won't. Maybe there's a handful of people that really want it. But if there's not enough financial support from the private sector to make it happen, is it our responsibility? Is it government's responsibility to come in and prop it up and take all that money from other people to produce it if they can't raise the funds on their own? The answer is no. Well, you just don't like culture. You don't like education and history. And No, I love those things. Those are some of my favorite things. But does it mean that it's government's responsibility? And more and more, the answer has become yes. And as Rob Myers talked about with us last week, um, the history is that we could always go to Uncle Sugar and he'll do it. And that's what has become kind of the status quo. And we need to stop that. That's what needs to stop, in my opinion. Let's go back to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning. This is Bubba from North Pole. Hello, Bubba. What's up? Well, what I would like to mention is they don't have to get dirty down and dirty, Lisa and Kelly. No, I'd just like to see Kelly in her advertisements get out there and just list facts. Like, you know, Lisa voted with, you know, the Democrats on the Supreme Court, or Lisa voted with the Democrats, with Joe Biden on this item or that. Everything that we're against, that I'm against anyway, Lisa voted for it, and uh, she crossed the aisle. But, boy, she's a Second Amendment deal, so that's supposed to just wipe the chalkboard clean. I just wish, you know, she didn't have to smear anything. She didn't right. say how much money you know, Lisa Murkowski has acquired since daddy put her in the office there. Right. But uh, tell the tell the factual truth on House bill or Senate bill such and such. Lisa voted this way. Right. And this is a result of that. You're talking about taking you know, issues with the policies versus the ad hominem attacks is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just tell the facts. Yeah. And let people re- remind people, because all the Alaska voters seem, not all, most Alaska voters seem to have a very short memory. 
Yeah, that's and true. They get upset, but then the next election cycle, they've forgotten about it. Yeah, it's true. I, I think I'd like to see that more of a policy driven campaign than a personal attack driven campaign. And I agree with that. I, I think that they should all do that. I mean, it's, it's what I've been saying about Sarah Palin and Mark Baggage. They shouldn't be clawing each other's eyes out. They should be figuring out how to work together to defeat Mary Peltola. But that you got those egos, those egos are in the room. And that's part of the problem, Bubba. All those egos in the room. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. All right, folks, tomorrow on the program, Heather Herndon and Arthur Surkov, our guest candidates for State House. We will be back with you and Senate. We'll be back with you then. Be kind, love one another, live well. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Okay, my friends. We appreciate you coming on board. Don't forget to join us over on Patreon. Become a member of the Common Sense Corps. Help support the show. We'll give you a shout out here on the radio if you do. Yeah. For as little as a cup of coffee a day, a month. Cup of coffee a month, not a cup of coffee a day. Although if you wanted to give a cup of coffee a day's worth to the show, that would be fantastic. Uh, anyway, you can go check it out at patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Um, and, uh, or you can go to MichaelDukeShow.com and click on join the show. That's how it is. That's how it works. Hey, we appreciate you guys being part of it today. I appreciate it. We will, um, should be private dollars. People made donations. Um, yeah, no, that's what Jennifer says. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Should be private dollars. They should have to do it. Um, all right. We got to go. We're out of time for today. Tomorrow is another one. We got to get it. We got to get it going on. Be kind, folks. Love one another. Live well. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people 
It's the Michael Duke Show 